Hello, everyone. My name is Doug Woodard, executive coach with Advisor Game Plan. Welcome to the Thriving Sports Podcast, our public podcast available to everyone. We do have two podcasts. Number one is a client-only private podcast called Thriving Coaches. And number two is this public podcast available to everyone. In this public podcast, in each episode, we'll be talking to a successful coach or leader about specific ways they enhanced their team's culture and player development, as well as many other valuable topics. And I'm Brian Willett, founder and CEO of Advisor Game Plan. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to sit back and learn from each of these episodes with these amazing coaches. Thank you for joining us as we dive deeper into these areas that can lift a team from average to good to great. Good morning, everybody. Really fortunate, lucky to have Coach Jim Flannery, known to most everybody in the basketball community as Flann, of course. Head women's coach at Creighton University, I believe 22nd year, which is unbelievable uh, to me, six NCAA tournament appearances, including just a couple years ago in the lead eight run. Um, WNIT champs way back in 2004. Flan himself played for the Jays under Tony Baroni back from 85, I think, to 87. He and his wife, Emily, have two children, Jackson and Bryn. And I think most importantly of all, he's a charter member of the legendary left league. Similar in stature and talent to the Rucker League in Harlem and the Drew League in, uh, in L.A., I would think. How about that, Flan? A left league mention right off the bat. I, I love it, Woody. I, I set a lot of screens for you and a lot of others and watched uh, the ball go up uh, <laughs> quite a few times. So it's good to be here. Appreciate you and everything you've done in the basketball community in Omaha and a pleasure to coach both of your daughters. And, you know, Christy was actually a part of our WNIT uh, championship team. And uh, yeah, and, and you're, and you're very uh, kind to mention that I played for the Blue Jays. I think I, uh, in those two years, I got night, I logged 19 minutes of actual court time. So <laughs> the, I, I usually try to not use the verb play, but I did practice with the Blue Jays a couple of years. Well, Coach Baroni was going through some things there. What didn't recognize talent, uh, <laughs> and it took him a while to figure that part of it out. But uh, uh, no, you mentioned uh, obviously both daughters, Christy and Kelsey, still obviously talk very fondly of of you and their time at Creighton, and what a great uh, place that is, just to shape character and and become an adult that's ready to go out into the world. Uh, so. Uh, obviously, thank you for your your influence and impact in their life. Um, Want to talk about a couple things today? Uh, I guess first, let's just you, you, you've had a, a good start to the year, and give you a chance here just to to talk about the team for a second. Uh, we were talking on the on the way up here. You, you've had teams that shoot it well, obviously, over the years, and and uh, this this team obviously is no exception it looks like this team might have a few other ways maybe to score or a few other ways to win because the other night i think maybe five for 19 or something like that certainly not a great shooting night but uh still got a lot of separation and and maybe talk about this year's team in that just a little bit well yeah we do have the ability i think to to make a little bit of a jump defensively which will help us i mean we were in the top 20 in a lot of offensive categories last year and 
you know, when we sat down in the off season and talked to our players, we said, look, we're, we were in a, you're not going to be an elite offensive team every game. I mean, that's when, when the, the numbers shake out, it's, it's a reflection of how you did over 30 or however many games and you're not going to shoot it well. But, but our defensive numbers were pretty much right in the middle of, of NCAA basketball, which if you account for our schedule, we were maybe a little bit better than average. But I said, we, we, we're not going to get taller. We're not going to get quicker, probably. <laughs> but can we use our experience to be, to be a little bit better defensively? And that's going to be a key as to whether or not we can be a good team or a great team. And I think our players have mostly bought into that. As you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't always every day buy into the less glamorous parts of the game. But I think as a, as a whole, they've been pretty good at understanding that for us to be an elite team, you know, we can use our experience to be better defensively more consistently than we, than we probably were a year ago. And I think we showed that the other night. I think we've shown that in, in our practices leading up to that. And, and we've started, we're, we're going to play maybe a little bit more of a defensive lineup to start. We've, we've uh, inserted Mallory break into our starting group and she's a, a really good six foot, six foot one athlete. And I think she gives us a different look and a versatility defensively. And, uh, you know, Molly Mogensen, our, our point guard, is a little bulldog defensively. She, Lauren Jensen has improved on the perimeter and, and, you know, and our, you know, Morgan Molly, Emma Ronsick, they're, they've become better communicators on the floor. And so I just think our experience gives us a little bit better opportunity and, and, and maybe just a little bit more versatility defensively. We've, as, <laughs> I'm a little like you. I don't, we've played almost no zone in my 22 years, but we actually put in a zone because I think it can be a good change up for us and, you know, just do some different things than maybe we've done because we have a little bit more length. Awesome. And it looks like, if I remember, I think they had something like 17 steals the other night, which that's, that's a lot. That's getting your hands <laughs> on a lot of stuff. Another uh, left alum, uh, Jonesy, would be just, uh, he would be thrilled with that. Uh, but uh, that, that's, that's great news. And obviously, uh, you said it, you can't depend on, um, you know, even if you're a really good shooting team, you're obviously going to have uh, games over the course of the year, and sometimes they're at inopportune times. So you, you, you really need to have another way to maybe go to to try to get through a game. So uh, that'll be exciting to see. We're going to talk about a couple things uh, this morning. One of them is, is a concept we talk about a lot called team spirit. Um, you know, sometimes you can look at teams and, and say, boy, that team really has, has a good spirit about it. And we're, we'll define it as the readiness to sacrifice one's personal ambition and self-interest for the good of the team. Always been impressed um, uh, regarding your teams as, as to that specific trait and really never so probably more than this group. Um, can you talk just for a couple minutes about how difficult sometimes this is to cultivate in today's society and what advice you might give to young coaches to help facilitate that trait in their team. Sure. And, and I think you, you hit it. It's probably harder to do that now more than ever because we live in a little bit more of a me culture <laughs> and in my sport and in, in college athletics, you know, that the, the transfer thing is such a huge piece of what we encounter um, and, it, and, and some of that's, I think, okay, but I also think that it's a reflection of what kids value and what families value. And that's, you know, the, the playing time and the performance over the, the T 
team experience and the ability to to have a great experience as as a part of a team, no matter what your role on that team is. And you know, today we were we were talking just a minute ago before we came on about uh, Jamie Haran, who's a you know Gatorade Player of the Year here in Nebraska. Played at Millard South, really decorated high school player, and uh, you know she's been a role player for us. She's starting her fourth year, and she's still you know not starting, but. She did an art. They did an article on her, and she just talked about how her mission this year is to kind of embrace whatever it is that we need to be successful, and whatever it is that we need to win. And I think, you know, first of all, you you want kids like that, whether it's whether you're in a college program, a high school program, a middle school program, you want kids like that. But then you also have to do a good job, I think, of recognizing those kids. And I think that's one of the things that. I'd like to think I've gotten better at as I've gotten older is you, you know, anybody can praise the the top scorer and the top rebounder or the top sure. three. You're all conference players. I mean, you know, for us, Emma, Morgan, and Lauren, they all get a lot of praise and they're, they're in front of the media more. But I think it's important to recognize Jamie within a practice or after a practice or in the locker room. You know, I know when, when we beat Arkansas a couple of years ago, a huge road win for us. And I, I talked about that day, what we accomplished, but I also said, you know, those things don't happen if Jamie Haran and Chloe Dwork and kids who aren't getting to play as much, they don't come to practice every day and give us the opportunity to get better and to be consistent enough in our habits and, and those things so that we can beat a team as good as Arkansas. And I think, I think that's important to recognize those people in front of their, in front of their peers and and sometimes you do it publicly and sometimes you do it privately. I mean, I don't I don't always have to do that or have an assistant coach do that in front of the team, but I think it's important that you do that. And I think it's, you know, the other part of that is just and you're you, you're a process guy and you're a process coach is what's what are the things that are sustainable? So, for instance, yesterday in practice, I think Morgan Molly hit a, you know, hit a catch and shoot 3, but the, you know, I said good screen so and so good pass so-and-so and and then you know the last thing I said was good footwork Morgan because it's not it wasn't about that she made the shot it was as you know a shooter that (laughs) the shooter that you were it's hey were my feet set were my hands ready and uh, even a really good shooter like Morgan or you uh, you're occasionally gonna miss the shot but what was the process to get to that point and you know Morgan doesn't get that shot if the screen isn't good Morgan doesn't get that shot if the pass doesn't hit her you know pretty close spot to her pocket although she'd shoot it wherever it wherever it hit her she'd probably shoot it but I think those sorts of those sorts of praises are important within a within a team because those things are sustainable setting a good screen is sustainable you know bending your knees and throwing a good pass is sustainable and that those are things that lead to the shot and I think you know I always say my mom can usually tell me who had the most points (laughs) on our team in a game, but she can't tell me necessarily who played the best defense or how many screens somebody set. And so I think, you know, to praise people's character and to praise the, the, the unsung things that they do on the court are important because then you, then everybody feels value. And when everybody feels value, then you build that team spirit that you're talking about. And so there are ways that coaches can do that apart from just praising the finished product, you know, the fact that the ball went in the basket, you know, so whatever sport you're coaching, if, if the attention to detail is 
close to what you want, you can praise that. And if the attention to detail <laughs> isn't what you want, occasionally you'll say, well, that was a bad possession. We got it. You know, even if the ball goes in the basket, you know, sometimes it does that. Um, but I just think praising the right things is important uh, instead of just results and, and valuing every kid. So, so to go back to that, it's, it's off the court stuff too. So for me, in pre-practice, okay, if, if maybe I was a little bit hard on somebody the day before in practice and, and my assistant coaches are good at reminding me of this, hey, maybe say something to so-and-so this before practice because she, she's struggling with you. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times I recognize that, but sometimes it's good to, to be held accountable. But can I, can I find a way either before or after practice to privately praise somebody or even say, hey, what do you need from me that's different than what I gave you yesterday? You know, because I, I was a little bit hard on Molly Mogensen in our practice yesterday. And Molly's a senior and have a good relationship. But I got to think about what I need to say to her maybe before practice today to, to lift her head back up. Because she's probably, <laughs> she probably isn't the biggest fan of Flan right now. But I think those things go a long way. And I think just being reflective about who needs to be picked up and, and, and what you're praising. Because... And and the other thing is is I think reminders of what we do, what and who we don't want to be. You know, we don't want to be that team that celebrates every basket to the point where we don't run back on defense. Right. <laughs> You've seen some yes. teams like that, right? And you know, I remind my son of that as I said, you know, just because other kids on your team have bad body language doesn't mean that that's I said that's all the more reason for you to have good body language is because you know, and he's, you know, you mentioned he's a middle schooler. Well, middle school boys are a unique, you had you had two, are. You, had two <laughs> you had two boys. So, you know, that middle school time frame. they're just, they're unique. Um, and there's, there's enough. And again, I'm not trying to cut on my son's teammates, but it's not an easy time to see great body language throughout a team. And I think just telling my son, Hey, you know, you got it when, when things aren't going well and everybody's body language turns bad, that's one more reason for you to have good body language. So I think that's, those are things that can really contribute to having a team spirit because I do think you don't become a team on day one, as you know, you, you don't become, you know, hopefully you're a better team as far as basketball goes. Hopefully, you know, we're better in November than we were in October. We're better in December than November. And, um, because you're putting new people into different places and old people into different places and, and you've got to build a team. And so it, it, it happens day by day, but you got to be intentional about praise and, and criticism, I think. Well, and I, what I really liked hearing is, is the, the idea that essentially the things we praise, we're probably going to get more of those things. And, and if you praise, and elevate acts of self-sacrifice, of, of making a teammate better, we're apt to get more of those things. Where if we never recognize that, and, and as you said, we just recognize the obvious, um, the, the people with the most talent that are scoring the most baskets and that sort of thing, you, you tend to, to, to not get teams of that. And I think maybe a byproduct of praising those acts and praise them, especially maybe in our best players when they do them, 
uh, to create something for somebody else when they actually set a screen or or they actually make a cut that opened up an area for another player, whatever, to praise those things so that those players aren't even focused on just those obvious those obvious things. There's not a the idea then is there's not a magical formula, not some chant we can do that's going to make our teams have great team spirit, but it's in every day that, that we're with our team. What are we valuing and what are we praising? I, I think that's, uh, um, that's a tremendous, uh, uh, a tremendous thing for especially young coaches to think that it's a day to day process that they're going to have to do. It's, it's not, there's not these two magical things or one magical thing we can we can do as a team to create and cultivate team spirit. Yeah, absolutely. It's and that's you know I don't I think we probably you and I probably both got into coaching basketball because we loved the sport more than we loved the the interaction with young people. But then as you get in it, you know yeah. you <laughs> you're like, gosh, it's fun to be around young people every day and influence them and 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 help them. Whereas I was dumb and just wanted to do something I, I liked, which was basketball. <laughs> but you you find that you gravitate toward enjoying a lot of the things that you didn't necessarily get into coaching because of. And but like you say, then you to be in it every day with those kids is is to be like, okay, how can I how can I help so and so? And because you know you had them in a little bit more of a formal stage than I am. Not that not that they're fully developed by eighteen, <laughs> but you're getting them. At, you were getting them at fifteen and sixteen and fourteen, and 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 you know they've got a lot further to go in terms of character development and just learning how to act. I don't get finished products a lot of times, and not that I'm a finished product or any of us are, but. I just think living with them day to day is you, you've got to embrace that instead of saying, well, it's a pain in the butt to, to have to deal with this kid. Well, what, but that's part of what I'm doing. And that's, I, I should embrace that. It's, it's a challenge, but if every kid was super easy to coach, there wouldn't be as much need <laughs> for us, right. No. Or, or assistant coaches. And I think that's the other part is like, you know, whether you're a youth coach or high school coach or, any any level is utilize your assistant coaches to help you in those areas too because i as i get older i'm i subtly my assistant coaches are telling me to stay in my lane occasionally <laughs> indirectly and i think that's that's important too is okay who's who maybe can reach this kid the best because i don't i don't maybe have time to reach every kid but who's maybe the best option to reach that that kid who's struggling because there are kids that are going to struggle more and it's not, you know, on the court, on the field or off. And so I think those are, those are things, but I, th- I think, like you said, just embrace that. It's a day-to-day thing. It's not, it's, it's never going to be over. It's like parenting, right? You, you know, you, you can think when a kid gets to 16 and gets their license or they get to 18 and they get to a degree, but you, you're still a parent all the way all the way to the end, even though a lot of it gets easier, it, it never goes away. No, it doesn't. And then you become a grandparent, <laughs> which is a whole other deal. Awesome stuff. Collaboration. That's, that's kind of the next thing I want to spend a, a couple minutes on. And again, we'll give a kind of a working definition of a desire to engage team members in seeking the best way. I think another strong trait of, of your teams over the year 
or over the years has basically been how do we get young athletes to get out of the my way mindset and into the best way mindset, uh, especially, again, in the culture we live in? Are there things, again, that we can do as coaches that maybe model this trait to our team members that uh, that will become a, um, a, a significant uh, feature of, of a team? Sure. Well, I think I think coming from a and again, hopefully this is something that I've as you do it a little longer, you you get better at. But having some humility as a coach, I think, is important. I think. I always say you want to be stubborn, but not too stubborn when you're a coach. You want to adhere to the values that you have and the, you know, what kind of culture do I want to establish? But also, as you mentioned, kids are different. Families are a little bit different. It's a li- it, You've got to evolve a little bit. So I think <clears throat> taking each team and being a, willing to bend in the areas that maybe don't matter as much, I think that's one of the things that I kind of pride myself in is I've what do you guys want? What do you guys want to do with shoot around today? Do you, when we get late in the season, I'll ask them, do you want the shoot around? How are your legs? I mean, just giving them some opportunity to have input. And it's, it's different. Like if you're a youth coach, you're not going to necessarily trust a 12 year old to make the decision that I'm going to allow a group of 20 year olds to make. But I do think giving them the opportunity to see th- things through your eyes, even like, Hey, I value your input, but at the end of the day, the, you know, I'm going to make that decision, but you know, or where do you want to, where do you want to eat? But just those sorts of, of, of little things where you can kind of give them a little bit of power to direct some of the decisions that are made, but also, Hey, when, when it's, when I'm making a decision, you know, there has to be, you know, I'm not, we're not going to compromise on some things. And I just think, being consistent about that is is important. Um, I think that in terms of collaboration, that if if people if people can view the coach as somebody who's willing to occasionally bend to what they need, then they a lot of times are well. Maybe maybe I can trust him a little bit more than I thought because it really comes down to trust. Collaboration, I think, is is how much do I trust? So I, I try to give in on the things that I think don't matter as much. And then I'm more stubborn about the things that I know are maybe more important. Like, Hey, I, we're not going to compromise on, on what we're asking you to, to do from a rebounding standpoint or what we're asking you to do from a run the floor standpoint or whatever. But I've, I've been like, hey, you know, when I have veteran teams and we get in a timeout, I say, okay, what do you guys want to do on that screen? Do you want to switch it? Do you want to stay? Because I think sometimes that allows them to, to think that I'm not just dictating, but that I'm also listening. Cause I do think you have to be a listener. I think leadership and communication, we, we, we often view them as from me to you. But I think, <laughs> as you know, sometimes listening is, is super important to them. And that's so when I referenced the, Hey, do you guys want to use the shoot around? It's February and we've, this is our third game this week. Do you, how are your legs? I'm, I'm listening to them and what their feedback needs to be. But then also when, when are we not going to compromise? So I think, but I think it, it probably starts with the listening piece. And then I think there's, there's a humility piece that, that you need to, 
inject enough into coaching a team. I'm, I'm not above saying, Hey, I, I needed to be better there. I, I, I think as a coach, I'll two to three times a year, I'll say, God, I wasn't very good down the stretch for you guys. Or I don't know if our game plan was what it needed to be. I think, you know, an example of that would be Mississippi state in, in the, in our NCAA tournament game last year. I think, and again, when you're playing a new opponent, sometimes you're guessing a little bit, and we didn't really know even who we were going to play because we had to wait until Mississippi State and Illinois played. So we only had one day to prep. And, you know, it's different. You go in that locker room, it's your last game. That's different. You're not. But if if I feel like we didn't have the right game plan, I'm willing to let the team know that, hey, we, we probably didn't help you guys in some ways because I think that goes a long way in terms of Hey, I feel a responsibility too. I, I think when coaches mess up, it's when it's always about they didn't play well, meaning the players, or we didn't do this and we, we don't include ourselves. Because I think being reflective about, uh, about being a coach is the ability to say, geez, I, <laughs> we didn't put them in the best position to win. And I think when you can do that, you get more buy-in, you get more collaboration. Because as you mentioned in the lead in the lead into this collaboration piece, it's, it is about getting them to trust you. But I think you only get that when you're willing to be humble once in a while in terms of I, whether it's the team or even an individual. I mean, I've said that to players. I mean, like, Hey, I didn't handle, you know, when I've chewed a kid's butt, sometimes I've, I've had to go back and be like, Hey, I didn't handle that very well. How do you know, I'll, I'll try to be better. But I think that humility piece is huge in terms of, collaboration well you mentioned humility uh, I think it's if, if you're not humble I think the game will yeah the game will take care of that over time you and hopefully you're smart enough to 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 see the importance of it after because we've all we've all had those moments where we think we have coaching kind of figured out and boy uh, it can it can jump on you in a hurry uh, if, if you're not a humble person uh, I think, you know, and you mentioned because back when we were talking about team spirit, you mentioned assistant coaches. And and I think uh, another important feature, obviously, of collaboration would be really valuing those assistant coaches and giving them meaningful input as if in in, and in front of the, the other the rest of the team. So the team sees that, you know what? Everybody is important, and, and what they I think of a in our case a couple of years ago, one of our assistants, and, and this has happened numerous times as I've gotten older. I needed a bunch more help uh, <laughs> from those guys, but Coach Lordson came up with with something that, that he thought would work out of just our base when we would pass and cut, and then we get us what we call circle motion behind the cut of doing something a little bit differently, and. You know what? It made sense, and we did it, and it, it, it kind of fit that particular team, and it it gave a, kind of a new um, a new life offensively to us. And I think sometimes we, when especially when maybe we're younger and like you say, kind of headstrong, you know, it can be. Well, man, I didn't think of that. Uh, no, that's that, that's that's silly. It, rather than kind of consider it and if it makes sense well let's 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 do it because that individual then feels a great connection to the whole thing and i think the players see that 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 they're this we're in this together it's not 
the head coaches show it's it's we're all in this together yeah absolutely and i probably could have gotten into that too i think i think valuing your assistant coaches and having your players see that you value them is important i mean because it's one thing for me to value them it's another thing for me to actually acknowledge or let that be seen and i i try to be intentional about allowing my assistant coaches i don't run any of the You've seen me shoot, Woody. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to teach shooting to, <laughs> to any of our players. So, I, you know, our assistant coaches run all of our individual or skill-based workouts. And I'll stop by and I'll watch occasionally, sometimes not at all, but sometimes I will. Or, you know, it's not like I don't have any influence on that, but I let them do that. And I let them do that so that they can get more confident and they can grow a stronger voice, but also so that our players can see them as stronger. And, you know, because then when it, as, as you mentioned, if, if, if their confidence, my assistant coach's confidence grows in that setting, then hopefully it grows in terms of, Hey, we're an in game, you know, and we need an adjustment or we're, you know, we're just even, it's a five on five offensive thing. And, and, uh, something that's maybe more in my wheelhouse, but I still, you still need help as a head coach. I think the one mistake and we all make it to probably some degree is when we first become a head coach, we're a little bit insecure because we're looking around seeing that other people have strengths in areas that are greater than us. And, and yet we're the head coach. And it's like, I, I look around and I think, well, geez, she's better at this than me. She's way better at this than me. Why am I the head coach? <laughs> and that and that creates some insecurity. And I think you've, that's what you have to constantly battle. And I think every young coach has it. It's it's just to what degree, and can you combat that by like being collaborative and being humble and and recognizing where you fall short, but also you know recognizing where you're strong. Because I do think then you get to a point sometimes when you're a younger head coach that it's like geez, do I do anything well? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's a constant battle. And I think just even it makes me think about when, when, when you're a youth coach or a high school coach, cause you probably dealt with, I deal with, we deal with parents some at the college level, but as a high school coach, you deal with parents more. And certainly as a youth coach, you're dealing with parents um, and outside voices and just who do you value? I mean, I think it's fine that, 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 occasionally you're going to value somebody from outside your program, what they're, you know, not, not everybody. I mean, you can't listen to everybody, but I do think there's occasionally something that somebody from who's somewhat connected to your program, but doesn't, isn't there every day that'll say, and and it'll resonate with you and you, and you can take that and, and learn from it. But I do think that battling that noise of people or even perceived noise, because sometimes it isn't that you're hearing it that much. It's one person said it. And that's kind of the society that we're, we're, we live in today, right, is everybody thinks this. And I ask my assistant coaches sometimes, I'll be like, well, who? You know, because if it's it's two people, that's different than if it's a lot of people. And right. I think that's that's a huge piece is just having the confidence to to know that you're good at what you do, but you're not that good that you don't need help because <laughs> we do need help. And, and letting your team know that you value the staff and letting your empowering your staff to, to do the things, especially that are within their wheelhouse, but even sometimes that maybe they need to gain experience in. And that's, that's the tricky part, right? Is 
well, I'm probably a little bit better at this than one of my assistants, but do I, how do I get him or her to get more proficient in that area without compromising the team's success? Because if that's really the thing that maybe I do best, you know, how do I get her to be better without sacrificing the team's success? And I'm sure you probably as as I'm saying that you're you're like that's that's a challenge as a head coach is like absolutely you know because we want the best for our team but we also want the best for our staff we want to develop our staff and what are the you know it's it's the same as a as a player it's like once somebody shows you that they can make a three point shot that doesn't mean they have <laughs> unless it's the left league they can't carte blanche just shoot every three <laughs> every time they catch it but hey if you're wide open we I want you to shoot that you don't get to shoot that a little bit contested like Morgan Molly does but you get to shoot a wide open three and it's the same thing with your staff it's like hey he or she is showing signs that they're good at this but am I going to turn over my entire defensive philosophy to her or am I just going to give her a piece and I think that's a challenge but I think it's important that you say hey I want you in charge of this part of def- you know post defense or or out, out of bounds defense and then progress them to the point where they can become more proficient um, in those areas but yeah but collaboration and I made plenty of mistakes when I was a younger coach at being maybe too stubborn about some of the things instead of just letting letting them go with it because you know as a head coach you can't you're you can't be good at everything and um no. <laughs> no, so you, you need those, you need you need to empower the people around you just tremendous uh tremendous insight and wisdom you know we've joked a couple times about the the Leffler league one thing it, though that i was thinking about on the way over here is is uh how many guys that you you know we know um, that have played basketball in in that in that form over the years no longer play that wish they could play because of the what what life does what age does in in some you know I think of Steve Burnham that that uh, gosh I don't know if it's been I'm sure it's been more than 20 years since Bernie's been able to play, but guys like that, a whole bunch of them that that uh, that, that aren't able to play. What what a beautiful game! You know, you and I have been able to coach for that long. We've been able to some degree play for that long. You just hope that the young coaches that are coming into it understand what a great game it is. What a tremendous way to meet people to have great friendships, lifetime friendships, some guys you may not ever even see other than when maybe you see them at the gym. And the, the ability to then kind of cultivate that in our teams, we've been pretty fortunate. Yeah, I can't, yeah, you, you speak the truth there. It's, uh, I feel, you know, there's there's stress involved in coaching basketball, and, and that's one of the reasons I keep I continue to play, <laughs> play is, is to relieve some of that, but it's also to just make sure that you understand that there is a joy to it. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to see that sometimes because you, we all take criticism. It, it's, it's not easy. And so we occasionally when you get criticized, you think it's, well, I, you try doing this job and, but, 
but that's that's taking the wrong approach because we're so lucky to get to do what we get to do. I mean, it's I mean to be able to coach basketball for a living. I can't I can't tell you when I step back how thankful I am. But sometimes when you're in it and you feel that stress, you think, oh, it's it's such a tough job. And I, then you know when I drive to work and I see people working on the highways and you know digging digging up stuff and working in the working in the elements and I'm like now I'm going to my office and I'm going to put put the film in and watch some film and get ready for a game and <laughs> coach a game I love and be around young people and try to help them and it so it's 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 balancing that that appreciation for getting to do what what we get to do and, and like you said it's a beautiful game the relationships that you make it's it's but I just think it's it's and it's so instructive in so many other areas of our life because it's, you know, in the relationships I have through basketball or <laughs> unfortunately most of the relationships I have in life and my w- wife will be like, well, what do you guys talk about when you, you know, after, before you play and after you play? And I'm like, well, we usually just talk about things that are going on in the world of basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, women don't understand that, but it's, it's, I shouldn't say women. I don't understand that because I coach women, but there is something magical about it. There really is. And and I guess lastly, I'll kind of end up if anybody needs, we talked about humility. If if you need a dose, just try coaching a second grade team, uh, <laughs> which, which I was yeah. dumb enough in my retirement to uh, say yes when Kelsey asked. And, and that'll that'll humble you really quick uh, if you think that you have a some kind of way to really communicate all of the wisdom in basketball, coach second graders, uh, and and that'll that'll fix you. But Flan, uh, it's always great to see you, and and uh, again appreciate everything that you've you've done over the years, not just in Omaha in general and the basketball community in general, but specific to our family and uh wish you a great great success and please stay injury free uh, yeah. well not you necessarily <laughs> the, it'd be more important that uh morgan and the rest of them stay injury free this year so have a great year and and i'm sure we'll see you as the year goes on thanks woody we love you and your family and uh i did tell christy your your oldest daughter the last time i saw her that i did want a video of you coaching that second grade team to see what what that looks like so i'm i'm still waiting and i, I guess i'll need to text christy for that but pleasure being with you today uh thanks so much and uh keep doing what you're doing because you're impacting a lot of people as you did throughout your coaching career appreciate flan We have free resources available on advisorgameplan.com. If you would like to gain access to our full version of client resources, please contact us today on advisorgameplan.com to explore becoming a client. Also, subscribe today to Thriving Sports and stay up to date with future episodes and more interviews with more coaches. Together, let's be thriving coaches that put the player first in all situations. See ya.